welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, headmaster of Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Burning Yet Flourishing. Today's episode marks the first in a three-part series about ordering one's life. Today we're going to be talking about ordering time. How can we as Christians order our time wisely for the glory of God? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Noah. I'm, I'm actually going to talk about it in a, in a, in a weird way. And, and that is this, is to uh, get us to understand that it's not our time, right? So how do we order our time? Well, what if we, what if we thought about it in terms of time is a gift from God? It's his time. And what would God want us to do with that time? Does that, does that make sense? Right. In fact, you, you might have noticed our, our title, Worship and the Lord's Day. And uh, you might look at that and go, well, that seems like a typo. Shouldn't you be talking about worship on the Lord's Day? Um, but no, I, I want to talk about it as worship and the Lord's Day. So if you, if you remember, I know this is, you know, you probably listened to last episode like yesterday, so it's fresh in your memory. But in case you hadn't listened to episode four, um, we, we talked about what worship is. And, um, and that I, I kind of took uh, umbrage with the English word worship um, because we think of worship as giving worth to something. Um, in reality, the, the biblical words in both the Hebrew and the Greek tend to mean uh, to, to prostrate yourself or to, um, you know, to bend the knee. The idea is, is that it's a worship is a recognition of authority. Now that does have to do with worth, right? But, um, but the, the idea is that our worship is, has to do with acknowledging the authority of the Lord, like, like we call him the Lord, right? So, yeah. <laughs> right. So let's acknowledge him as the Lord. He is God and, um, and he's made us and he has taught us in his word um, what he expects, what would make our life flourish, right? Mm-hmm. Again, burning yet flourishing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how would, how would our time, how would time then um, in the way it's ordered help, uh, help us to flourish? And uh, again, with the broader context of this uh, um, podcast, um, the um, quarter three strands, we're, we're really looking at um, building a Christian culture. So if God has truly made us in his image that we're like him uh, in order to have dominion, uh, this rule, 
Um, so being like him, we make things, we, we order things, we name things, right? What, what are we supposed to do with time? It's God's given us as a gift. And so what we should be is obedient to him in time. And, and so here's the, the primary thing I'm getting at Noah today, um, because we're going to have a whole season, I think of, of one where we're going to talk more about time. Okay. Yeah. But that's not season one. <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to hit the tip of the iceberg here. And, and that is this um, God's commanded us to uh, do on six days, six days, you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord, your God, right? Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Now, as a Christian, we understand that that Sabbath, the Sabbath on the Lord's day, it's the um, Sunday. Um, and that, that would be a whole nother episode to talk about the transition from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, but, um, but, but God's commandment is that we're to rest. Um, and so part of our worship is to be obedient to his command that we should work six days. We should order our time so that we're working six days. And then on that uh, seventh day on the Lord's day, uh, we rest. Yeah. Now, why is this important? Well, if we're truly acknowledging that God is our Lord, if we are truly going to worship him, to bow to him, um, it means that we must trust his word and trust that we can give up a whole day of work and God, we can still flourish. Yeah. Right. We can work six days, but we're supposed to rest at seven. So instead of laboring, for money or whatever possessions for seven days, we're going to give up a day and rest. You know, this reminds me of a, a pithy example. I was watching a, a uh, series on the Hatfields and McCoys a feuding family uh, during, I believe it would have been 19th century America. And there was one, there was a scene that's always stuck in my mind you know, relating to understanding that God is the giver of time. Uh, th there was some fight going on, some battle between the families and this, uh, this character, a member of one of the families was on the run and he was being pursued through a forest by people on horseback. And immediately what he did is he stopped running as they were pursuing him and was on his knees and asked God to deliver him from the situation and give them the strength to continue before he got back up and, and, you know, kept running. But that, that just stuck with me because it's <laughs> like in light of that going on in a pithy example, it is, but you know, it's just like such a perfect way of visualizing, like how uh, he understood that fictional character, um, how, um, you know, God was the giver of everything in his life. Yeah. Yeah. And even stopped and rested for a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so think of this, if God is the, if God is the giver of life, um, which he is, he gave us our life. We can't, I mean, I can't, um, if I try to stop breathing, I'd pass out and start breathing again. Right. Yeah. Because God has willed life into me. Now I can, I can murder myself. That's not good. That's a, that's a, a big sin, but I can't just stop breathing. God's going to keep me breathing. And, and, uh, if say I, I, um, have a heart attack or something like that and I die, I can't will myself to keep living. Yeah. It's a gift, right? It's God is the giver of life. And he has made life in such a way that, um, if we live it one way, there's blessing and it's good. 
if we, if we live it a different way, it's, it's not right. Yeah. So we, we should pay attention to how God, God's word, um, teaches us. Right. So if you remember, we talked about the, the, um, the trees in the garden, right. The original idea of worship, the trees of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of, uh, of life in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the life of Adam and Eve. And the idea is, is that, um, uh, you trust the word of God, you know, in faith, you obey the word of God that says, do not eat of this tree. I'm going to trust God to tell me what is good and evil and not determine it on my own. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to be obedient to him, not eating that fruit. Instead, I'm going to take an eat of the tree of life and commune with God forever. That's, that's worship at the beginning. That's the worship in the middle. It's the worship in the end. Right? So to this day, you go to church, you, you hear God's word proclaimed. And what you want to do is trust God's word and our obedience, obey what his word says, yeah. and then take an eat of the Lord's supper and commune with him forever. Yeah. It's, it's the same, right? So, so if, if, if that's really worship and, and God says that we should, uh, we should work for six days and then on the seventh, we should rest. Um, then we should trust him. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, now I'm going to, before this commandment is given, because this commandment was given at Mount Sinai, before that happened, um, God had taken them out of Egypt right? They were slaves. And then they went into the desert and they're heading to Mount Sinai. Um, and the people were hungry <laughs> and you know, they complained, right? Um, I understand. I complain when I'm hungry too, but yeah. um, one of the things that's interesting is, is that God provided manna for them for six days. And he commanded them on the sixth day, you're supposed to gather twice as much as normal. And on the seventh day, there wouldn't be any manna, but you'll have leftover. But all the other days, there's no leftovers. Right. Right. And then the question is, well, why did God do this? Right. Why did, why did God set it up this way? And the commandment hasn't been made yet. Yeah. Right. And so what I, I want to, what I, how I teach this is that God is teaching his people who were slaves, how to be free. Right. Right. How to be free. So before, when you were a slave in Egypt, you didn't decide when you got up and what you did and how you ate or you, right. Yeah. You were forced to, right. your master told you now you can eat. Now you got to get up. Now you got to go work. Now you got to do this. Right. Yeah. Now as free people, they can make a decision. They can wake up in the morning and go, huh, I want to stay in bed. Yeah. I don't want to gather manna. And guess what? They could do that. They wouldn't have anything to eat, but they could do that. Mm-hmm. Or they can say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go get work for myself and my family and get stuff to eat. Mm -hmm. And they did that. And on the sixth day, they had to do twice as much and rest on the seventh. They had to trust that they would always have enough. Right. So if if it was day two and they decided to get extra to just in case he didn't supply manna the next day, it would go rotten. Right. Right. And then on day six, if they thought, said, Oh, God always gives us manna every morning. Why should I get double the portion today? I'll just get manna tomorrow. Yeah. They wake up and guess what? There's no manna. Right. <laughs> right. So, so what God is doing is teaching them to be free yeah. by being responsible. Right. But it, it all revolves around them having to trust what God has said. God says I should, we should work six days and rest the seventh. So on the sixth day, I'm going to work double, but then I have rest on this, on the, 
seventh day. And, and this is before the commandment, teaching them to be slaves, to be free, revolving or it revolves totally on trusting God and his word. Yeah. Where do we as Christians get this wrong? There's a lot of different hats that adults wear from, you know, even student to employee, to business owner, to, you know, family man, family woman, what have you. Where have you found that it's the most difficult? Is there an underlying like pain point here that, that we as Christians should be mindful of as we consciously make an effort and place our trust in God? Yeah. Good, good question. So I, I will say, I will acknowledge that there are certain church traditions who think that um, that the Sabbath keeping is part of the old covenant and is no longer applicable to us. Um, I, it doesn't seem to be the um, it doesn't seem to be the trajectory of the church's beliefs or teachings, though. Um, it, it seems that this is or as I'd like to put it, well, what of, of the other Ten Commandments are no longer obligatory, right? We, we're still supposed to honor our father and mother. I've never heard a sermon that says you don't have to do that anymore because that's part of the law, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so the, the question is, it could be, it could be, and this is where I would go in uh, part of the ceremonial aspect of it. So um, Christ fulfilled the ceremonial law. And um, perhaps the, the whole idea of uh, the Sabbath keeping on the seventh day is part of the ceremony, but the principle still exists, work six days and rest the seventh. We see this as the example that God set for us in his own work of creation, right? right? Um, and that then this is something that's expected of us too, is to, to rest. But, but to your question too, is where do we go wrong? I think one is, is that we don't trust God's word, right? Can we fully trust God by giving up a whole seventh of our productive life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As I'm talking about as Americans, right? I mean, we're, right. we're, we're uh, economic man. I mean, that's, that, that's what we're trained to be. You know, it's, it's our job and we're busy and we're, and, um, and so one is the, the idea of um, Duke, can we trust God to provide our needs if we give up a whole seventh of our economic life? Um, and, and so I think that's part of it. The other is um, we don't, we don't think it's good to rest, even though God commands that we do and that God even set it up to rest. And he himself, and he, rested. He him, yeah, he himself, he doesn't need rest, but he set an example for us to work for six days and to rest. Right. So if God says that we ought to rest and God gave us that example to rest, then we ought to do the same. Right. Uh, to, to rest. Now, the other part is, is that how are we resting? Right. It's not just that we're resting. Well, part of it is we resting physically. We're not engaged in our labor. But part of it is this idea of we rest in him. Right. And this is where I think the church goes off a little bit. Here it is. Christ has done everything for our salvation. I have done nothing, right? right? I was dead in my sin. <laughs> and then Christ brought me to life, right? right. It is a hundred percent what Christ did and 0% what Ron did, right? Or what Noah did. It's a, it's completely 
what he has done. And we need to find our rest in him, you know, and in him alone. Um, our, the salvation rest, right? So, so part of our weekly routine ought to be not just not working on the seventh day, but also enjoying resting in Christ, mm-hmm. right? So get up, go to church, worship him, sing praises to him, um, acknowledge that he is the Lord. It's his day. And what does he want on his day? Where for us to rest and to rest in him. And so we go and fellowship with other believers. We hear his word. Uh, we, we recreate, we, we kind of, the whole day revolves around what Christ has done and given us rest. I was just going to, you mentioned fellowship and that's, and I was going to bring it up myself because that's what we associate church with, you know, corporate worship community believers. Um, Is that a part of ordering our time too? being intentional about being in fellowship with other believers? Absolutely. Again, it's commanded like all over the place in the new Testament, right? Don't, don't forsake the meeting together. Like some of you have, right. It's just, we, um, we need it. We need the fellowship. It's part of who we are. We God, it's not good for us to be alone. Now think, think about that. When God pronounced that it is not good for man to be alone. Sin hadn't even entered the world. Right? So Adam had a perfect relationship with God and God says, this isn't good. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. It's not enough. Human beings are meant to be social creatures. We need fellowship. We need companionship. We need other people. Um, It's how, it's how we, he made us. Right. And, and we're, uh, we're social or societal creatures. And, um, and so we can't just be out on our own. Right. Right. So we, we are uh, again, made in his image. Right. And God is a triune God, father, son, Holy spirit. Um, and, and it's been a, an eternal Trinity, right? The father has loved the son, the son always from eternity has loved the son and the son has loved the spirit and the spirit has loved the father and the right. And, yeah. and, and vice versa. And it's, and it's this eternal, a three in one, um, uh, you know, one in three and made in his image. We're, we're not supposed to be alone. Mm-hmm. We need others to kind of mirror that or to image God in that way. So when we're, when we're, um, when we are working those six days and we need that rest, um, we, we can't decide, I mean, again, and, and, uh, people can leave comments and, and I can pick this up again and argue with them. Uh, but, but the idea of Sabbath rest and worship in terms of obedience to God, it does not look like you get to choose whatever you want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not the idea of like, well, I like to rest and I like to rest in the woods and I commune with God out there. And that's good. Even though the whole word of God says something different <laughs> then one of you is wrong. Either the word of God is wrong or you are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm going to say the word of God is correct. <laughs> yeah. And, and so again, so this might be, no, I'm going to admit that we're in the 21st century in America. Yeah. And the idea of keeping Sabbath of resting 
on the Lord's day is probably not something you hear much. No, it's, it's right. It's uh, this is really wacko to a lot of people, I think. Right. Um, but it is uh, completely necessary because it's, it's God's pattern for us. And, and remember the, the title of our season one here of the uh, quarter three strands uh, burning at flourishing. And in the very beginning in our intro, remember we talked about why this, well, it's, it's the symbol is a burning bush. Yeah. And that kind of represents the word of God being spoken. Yeah. And, um, and the word of God is like that fire. Yeah. It, it, it's going to, it's going to consume us this idea of sanctification. There's a lot of things in, in our, our desires, our hearts that are not right with God. They're not according to his word. And when we hear his word, one of the things it's going to do is sanctify us. It's we're going to, we're going to be changed by it. And, but at the same time, this, this word illumines our life. It brings light to us and warmth and causes flourishing. So it, it might look at, Oh, I, I don't know if I can give up one day of the week yeah. just to rest and to worship. Um, the, the thing is when you do that, the result is going to be a flourishing in your life. Yeah. You're going to have um, it's a, it's a complete recognition that God is your King, right? right? Christ is your King. You're orienting your whole week on him. You're planning the six days so you can rest on the seventh, right? It's, it's not an easy thing just to decide one day, Hey, I'm just going to go to church and I'm not going to work today. I'm going to just rest. Right. It, it takes planning. It takes thought. It takes, it, it, it takes effort to get to that point to be able to do it. But once you do, and you've established this pattern in your life that demonstrates to yourself, to God and the world that Jesus yeah. really is Lord, um, it, it makes a huge difference. And if Christians all over would begin to do that, we would begin to see a more Christian culture. So if a new Christian came to you and let's say, just for example's sake, it was a, a man who owned his own business. And he said, you know, Mr. Young, I, um, I understand that we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. We're supposed to rest. We're supposed to, you know, like, what does that mean? Does that mean that he can't cut his grass? Does it mean that he can't go into the office to get ahead for that next week? You know, like, what do we mean by not work? It means don't work. Now, here, here are some exceptions, right? Because there's always exceptions. So <laughs> if you read, if you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and people don't like reading the Old Testament for whatever reason, but especially the boring parts about the law, what you'll see is God has established his moral law in the Ten Commandments. And then you'll see in, um, in Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and some in Numbers, you'll see um, the law explained more, right? It's actually case law, mm -hmm. right? So, so it's the Sabbath. What happens if a donkey falls into a well? Well, isn't that work to get your donkey out? Right. Yes. But it's necessary work for the life of that donkey. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so there's, there are some, these exceptions are, are for um, works of charity and works of necessity. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here, here we go. Um, you always need doctors and nurses on Sundays. 
Right. <laughs> right. So if you're a nurse or your doctor, it would be great if you can have Sundays off, but sometimes you're going to be needed. And that's a, ner- a work of necessity. Now say the business owner um, is involved in a, a work or a business that requires some of his work on Sunday. Right. It's a work of necessity. Right. Most of the time when I'm talking with people about Sabbath keeping, um, it's just inconvenient to schedule your work so that you take it off. So I'll I'll give you an example. I'm headmaster at Providence Academy and um, I will on Sunday evening, I, I, I take Sabbath from Sunday evening or from Saturday evening to Sunday evening. Right. So it's not, you know, when I wake up in the morning until I go to bed, it's from the night before until you know, sundown. Yeah. And the reason I do that is necessary work. So I'm headmaster at Providence Academy. Let's suppose one of my teachers gets sick and they email me, Mr. Young, I'm sick. I need a substitute. And um, I keep Sabbath from sun from when I wake up until I go to bed and the next morning I wake up and I open up my email and Oh shoot, I have to get three substitute teachers for today, like in an hour, you know, that's, that's untenable. So, so what I, what I do is I arrange it. So I, I kind of have this full day of rest and worship. Um, And then when the sun goes down, I have a community group that meets at our house. We have Bible study on Sunday. Um, evening after, you know, late afternoon, evening. Yeah. And then, so after that, uh, they all go home. Um, then I will open up my laptop and I'll check my email and maybe do a little bit of work. Um, but I, but I'm taking that time aside this 24 hours to, to rest. Right. Yeah. If I had a different job, I might not need to do that, but just because of the nature of my job, I, I need to be able to look at my email on Sunday nights. So I'm assuming that you would encourage children who are the only thing that they're probably managing and yet they're mature enough to grasp the concept of the Sabbath is their schoolwork. Would you encourage them to try to manage their workload so that they don't work on a Sunday? Yeah. They need, they need to rest. Yeah. Right. They they need rest from their work and uh, their work is schoolwork. So arrange your schedule so that you can rest on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Or how about this one too? Um, don't do sports on Sunday. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, it, it, we, you know, we're a Christian school, so it's easy for us to make rules like, yeah. Hey, we're not going to have activities on Sundays because it's the Lord's day. Yeah. Right. That's easy. You're going to public school. I don't know if you can get away with it. Right. Um, you, you look at different sports organizations. I remember my, you know, I coached, um, Westside Wolverines. It was a middle school football club. And, uh, when, when the middle schools got their own football program, we decided to, to fold and, um, and we were quite good. We were a good organization and we, we would, you know, they'd have these championship weekends and stuff. And I would tell uh, right, the organization uh, right off the bat, if we go to the, when I coached eighth grade, if we go to the championship, right. Um, I won't be there. Neither will my, my sons. Wow. Because it's the Lord's day and we're not going to do that. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, you, they look at me like I'm crazy, you know, cause we inevitably win the championship or, we, you know, <laughs> and it's, and, uh, um, but, but part of it is, is because I, I, it used to be in my day. I'm, I mean, I'm 54 when I was a, 
when I was young, there, there were laws against having activities on Sundays. Right. Like the only thing open would be, be a restaurant. Yeah. You couldn't get gas. You couldn't go to the gas station on a Sunday. Oh, wow. You couldn't go see the move to a movie on a Sunday. Grocery stores weren't open on Sundays. It, it, your whole life was revolved around knowing that you, you can't shop on Sunday. Right. It was right. the law. They're called blue, blue laws. Yeah. Right. And they were all over our country. And that's in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't, there was nothing open on Sunday. You rested. Right. <laughs> right. I, I tell the story about how the, you know, the, the culture, how much it's changed. Right. So I lived in a, I didn't live in a great area. Um, a lot of crime, a lot of, a lot of things, just really bad area, a lot of drugs, you know, and uh, I remember in elementary school, <laughs> kids would, I, the first time I got um, asked to, you know, someone tried to sell me drugs was in fifth grade. One of my classmates was trying to get me to buy uh, some um, black beauties, these, you know, yeah. drugs. And anyway, um, and then pot, I, you know, early on. Right. So yeah. that's, that's the way my school was. And this yeah. is back in the 1970s, you know, it was pretty <laughs> wild. There's a lot of violence too. And, and um, you know, if you, if you use the Lord's name in vain on the playground, you'd get sent to the principal's office. Yeah. Right. And everyone knew it. Like if you used the Lord's name in vain at a public school, you'd go to the principal's office and you, you couldn't go. There wasn't anything open on Sundays because it was Lord's day. And we'd have these, these places would get, um, <laughs> my, my brother worked at a seven 11 and used to get ripped up, robbed all the time. Right. And, um, you know, things like that. There's a, this Arco station on, in our little neighborhood. Yeah. And, um, on Sundays he would leave these, you know, five gallon containers of gas, mm. just laid them, let them out. And there was a little jar. And if you ran out of gas in an emergency, you can go take that gas and then you just put money in the jar. Wow. Right. So this crime ridden infested place, you know what? No one ripped off the gas. <laughs> Because it was the Lord's day. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. You know, and yeah. you might, and you might go, you might go, well, well, Mr. Young, you're describing cultural Christianity and those people aren't really saved. It doesn't matter. Well, what society would you rather live in? Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, the one I grew up in was one that life flourished in. Mm -hmm. Right. Even, even in the midst of like, this is where not, it's not a good place. And yet there were boundaries. People, people had respect for God and the things of God. Yeah. Right. We, we, we live in an opposite time now. Yeah. It's just an opposite time. So anyway, today we talk about this ordering of time and specifically the idea of resting or, or the idea of worshiping by resting on the Lord's day. And, and the big reason is because of, um, understanding that he is the Lord and being, and doing this act that he has commanded, um, changes the way we look at everything. It, it's a reorientating of our life and our time based upon the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In the, in the next two episodes, <laughs> we're going to talk about ordering prayer and we're going to talk about ordering wealth. Uh, two more things that I'm going to make you feel very guilty about. Sorry, people. But again, <laughs> the burning, right? The yeah. burning, the sanctification that comes with the word of God. 
And then also the flourishing when we were obedient. So um, next episode, we'll talk about prayer, um, worship in terms of uh, confession and, and thanksgiving or gratitude. And then uh, the, finally, that, that ordering your wealth, it's, it's, it's about, ready? It's about tithing. <laughs> why do people, why do pastors always talk about tithing, right? Yeah. Well, one, I'm not a pastor, so I can get away with it. And two, <laughs> two because these three things, ordering our time such that we would take one day in seven to not be productive, but to rest and trust in him. Mm-hmm. Two, prayer, especially when it comes to confession and thanksgiving, um, recognizes that we are not the Lord of our own life. Mm-hmm. We, we answer to another higher authority and that is God. And then three, the idea of, of a tithe is paying tribute to a king. And we understand that he is the king and not us. And so these are the three found three foundational things I think that would, that will reorient our life. And when we do these kinds of things collectively begin to see a, a, an impact in our culture. <laughs>